We have a new partner to the podcast, Luminate Advertising. They're an award-winning advertising and marketing firm, and their brand research director, Mary Tilger, is a personal friend of mine, and I encourage you to contact Luminate Advertising just to make your company shine if you need any graphic design, copywriting, printing, radio spots, trade show displays, digital marketing, promotional products. Everyone wants to represent their company just a professional manner, so call Mary. She has a great marketing ear. She can help you out. Her phone number is 303-460-8703. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership podcast. We have a great friend of mine, Dr. Michael Marks. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Great to be here again. Now, last time we spoke, you were living in Alaska and you've taken the long dog sledding trip to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, haven't you? Yeah, long dog sledding trip. It's about eight days with uh, the dogs and, you know, we um, drove from Fairbanks all the way to Steamboat Springs and, you know, stopped along the way and let the dogs run and and uh you know after eight days you just kind of feel like you're one with the road it just kind of becomes part of your personality i've never done anything else but driven it's a long drive but it was worth it here we're now at 8100 feet in a small community north of steamboat called clark and the dogs love it each of them have their own evergreen tree to call their own so (laughs) it's a perfect place I bet, I bet. Well, hey, you know, a little background for uh, of Michael for you that uh, in, you know, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the other episode we did with Michael. But you're you're a certified coach with the uh, um, uh, the ICF, um, yeah. mm-hmm. c- certified professional life coach with PCCI, who we both know and love, and Chris McCluskey and the the whole crew. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have a big focus in executive, you know, business coaching, life coaching. You hold a, a BA from ORU. A master's mm-hmm. from Louisiana State, and an mm-hmm. Ed D in adult education from Regent University, and I know you mm-hmm. teach at Concordia University on international business, international finance. Um, you're also yeah. on faculty with me at, at the Professional Christian Coaching Institute, and you're also uh, currently the leader of ICF's community on the practice of ethics. You've written a book on that, which is mm-hmm. a great book. You're also a president of the Christian Coaches. Network International, CCNI. And if you're a coach out there and you're listening to this, I would really encourage you to go to christiancoaches.com and really um, connect with the CCNI community. It's just a fantastic group of people and resources and training and, you know, and just being around a bunch of like-minded people. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, Michael? Well, that's just it. And everybody is so giving. It's a very non-competitive environment. Every time we get together for any type of event, it's just, you know, pour out um, people asking honest questions. There's, I haven't ever seen competition in the CCNI community. So it's a very encouraging group. You can always get somebody with a like mind to share their experience as well as their wealth of knowledge with you. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a great group. And you know what? That's you know, that's why I've always looked at coaching, especially when you're, you know, coaching as a believer, right? If somebody approaches me and I'm not just the perfect fit, 
I want to find that because I think coaching is such a powerful force to move people forward into not only what they've been called to do, but, you know, what and how, you know, the what and how mm-hmm. of the why, right? Uh, exactly. and, I th- and I think that coaching relationship is so special, so important. And if I'm not the person for that, man, I want to connect this potential client to somebody who would just be ideal for them because I know that there's somebody else right around the corner that God wants me to work with. So I've, like you said, I've never, ever felt like a competition around clients ever. And you mean, there's so many people that need coaching and coaching is so good. Um, you know, we actually need is more coaches, right, Michael? (laughs) Well, we do. Um, And, you know, the other thing is that people need to know what coaching can do for them. It's still, you know, a enigma in a lot of people's minds. They think of coaching as their their track coach or their volleyball coach or, you know, somebody that's you telling them what to do. But, you know, in 2017, coaching is just so much more than that. It is a relationship that is developed with the clients and it becomes part of how they can really dig deep and find where they can move forward on and the coach is there to help them. Um, you know, not only gain awareness, but also gain responsibility, gain some traction in their lives. And it's all relationship based. Um, I just love working in the coaching industry because they are the most positive, friendly and encouraging people that I've ever been associated with as a collective group. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's it's for me, it's just been life giving, you know, especially mm-hmm. making this transition myself after my accident into coaching and not knowing anything about it. You know, one of the things that was uh, I reflect on sometimes is back when I was uh, in the military uh, in a, as a fighter pilot, there was a really unique culture in a fighter squadron. Um, every single person, we all had each other's back. And mm. I knew that I had to make you better and you had to make me better because not only might our lives depend on it, but the people on the ground, you know, when we were flying an actual mission that we were supporting was going to depend on us doing our job well. So we were, we were just, uh, just a closeness and a culture of integrity, humility, um, uh, you know, uh, discipline that I never really found out in the outside world. And I worked very hard to create that in the companies that I started. But what I have all, but what I found, Michael, is that culture exists inside. When you start developing friends that are Christian coaches, like CCNI, PCCI, um, it is that same kind of culture because it's a people who are, they're humble. Um, mm. they, they, they prepare themselves. They do what it takes. They want to make themselves better. They want to make you better. They want to share their experiences. You know, hey, I remember I had a really difficult uh, coaching situation with a client of mine at a public company, and I reached out to a couple of people and who were master coaches, and and man, they just shared freely. Here's some thoughts. Here's how you help them. I've had this situation before, and I got to tell you, the results I had with my client because I had I had somebody to turn to, had those conversations was powerful and it was meaningful to to have that kind of support. So whether you're a coach, plug into that community. And if you're somebody out there who is in business, I would really encourage you to, you know, find somebody that you can work with or at least have a conversation about what that is, what it can do for you. And um, where, because I think what coaching really does, I think a lot of business owners that we, because you do a lot of executive coaching, you have a long career in business, international business, international finance. These are smart people. And, they, mm-hmm. and they're disciplined. They know how to execute. 
I really feel that most of my clients um, would get to the results that we're trying to get to in the coaching on their own. But mm-hmm. what the coaching does, it shrinks down that time to results meaningfully. Instead of getting there in two or three years, we might get there in three or six or nine months. So imagine if I now take that yep. six-month period. Now six months later, a year later, I'm at two times the place I would be if on my own I'd only been there in maybe two or three years. So I think that is that has been a huge benefit, just getting that clarity, really talking about what we need to do. They understand why they're doing it. So everything's in context which I think is really important because then you can share that with your team, your organization, and and that really accelerates how things move forward. Yeah, you're saying two things, John. The coaching, which is really helping you move forward um, performance-wise, relationship-wise, oh, self-awareness-wise. Um, and then the other thing you were saying was reaching out to someone and saying, I need help. You've mm-hmm. got experience. Um, also known as mentoring, you know, yeah. and what is ironic about mentoring is it's highly effective but most of mentor relationships are initiated by the mentor because the uh, mentee is you know kind of hesitant is just kind of you know shy to reach out to somebody that is established and is accomplished and say will you help me but the irony is that there are so many people that just get so honest Honored by that, so humbled by that, they're more than willing to help. And if you are in a position where you can offer something here, try pulling them in, saying, you know, hey, I've noticed you're a good guy and you got a got a lot of God-given talents here. Why don't we meet, you know, for coffee every now and then, and just kind of pull them in here. Meet for coffee. That's pretty easy here. Uh, after a while, we recognize recognize that it's a mentor relationship we don't have to call it up the front that you know label but you know that's really what jesus did and that's really what you know great leaders have always done is pull people into themselves so look for that in your leadership roles yeah you know here's i won't say the guy's name but there's somebody who's um involved in shark tank he's mm-hmm. one of the folks on shark tank one of the guys that i'm coaching mm-hmm. he had an idea that he goes you know what i think this person on shark tank would I, really, I don't need their money, but I need that person's advice. Mm-hmm. So he sent me a draft of an email that he wanted to send that person. I'm like, man, I've, I think this looks good. Let's, let's see what happens. He called me like almost in a panic because 22 minutes after he sent the email, he got a response directly from this person who's one of the five people on Shark Tank and said, what advice are you specifically looking for? Um, mm-hmm. And what do I get for my wonderful advice with a smiley face? And so he's, you know, it's amazing when you reach out to people who you don't think might ever get back to you that, uh, you know, I think people are kind of almost hardwired people with some good character. They want to help. Don't you think? I absolutely, you know, and I talk to people all the time in CCNI that are, you know, wanting to do something, wanting to establish something in the Christian coaching world. And, you know, these are people that are writing the books that are on your shelves and they're all just so genuine. I mean, you know, we just sometimes put people that have a name on a pedestal. It's usually not that way. They're just like the rest of us. They've just got something done. And they're really usually willing to share that with you. If you'll find the way to you know, communicate with them, like you were talking about with this uh, Shark Tank guy, that's beautiful. Yeah, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've been doing a lot of work um, 
you know, in your coaching um, and, you know, teaching other people how to really, you know, build that trusting relationship, you know, which is a really powerful, you know, plank mm-hmm. that's in that relationship. But you're, you're doing a lot of work with entrepreneurs, business owners, executives. And I, I'd love to, for you to maybe even share, because we're moving into 2017, you know, what you're noticing with your clients and maybe some things you'd like to share for people listening that are business owners, um, you know, that could, might be able to accelerate what they're trying to do. Well, you know, one of the things that just seems to be uh, the motive for people to contact me is they're wanting to do something new. Uh, they're wanting to, you know, start a venture. They're wanting to break loose in a new way. Uh, they don't necessarily want to be first or rich or, you know, known as the pioneer here, but they want other people to be able to follow them and to have it better than they had it set something up so that other people can have a, a better way. And those type of people are continually reaching out to me um, saying, you know, hey, I noticed you're, uh, you know, an international business guy here, yet you lived in Alaska. Um, you know, you do dog sledding. Uh, you know, uh, the fact very that I lived accomplished, in a- You and your wife, very accomplished dog sledders, by the way. <laughs> we get around. Um <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun here. You know, we uh, intentionally moved to this area of uh, northern Colorado, pretty close to the Wyoming border, uh, so that we could do the dog sledding and do the the skiing. You know, like I was um, telling you just before we got started here, I I ski as a volunteer ski guide every Saturday, and I'm a chaplain every Sunday on the local ski mountain and so people are saying you know how do you do these type of things how do you you know get into these type of new ventures here without sacrificing income or family or your business relationships and it's like well you know it takes an intentionality it takes you know a really strong will to live the way you want to live but it is possible and that's kind of the trend that i'm seeing um you know, even among my corporate clients, too, they're saying, you know, how can we do something new? I just had an hour-long conversation with a department head in Germany last week. He was saying, we have to reinvent how the – this guy's the head of IT um, – how the rest of the company perceives IT and get them to embrace it as a friendship relationship, not as a, a find, you know, an enemy relationship, Um so, you know, the whole conversation was about starting a new way to do that. And it's exciting, John. I think that the uh, energy that I'm feeling from people in the last couple of months is just extremely much higher than when I started coaching, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You mean energy from the clients? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. I think something's happening right now. I don't know whether it's the results of the election and just kind of more of a, mm-hmm. you know, a more kind of bullish outlook just on business and entrepreneurship in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is definitely something I'm noticing too that people want to tap into that there is a way to kind of figure out, um, you know, what is, you know, what's that direction I should be going? You know, how do I follow my passions? How do mm-hmm. I really, you know, get some clarity, that self-awareness on my my spiritual gifts, my skills and my strengths? Mm-hmm. And then how do I combine those together to figure out what I should be doing? 
right? And whether it's working at the same company you have, you're at right now, but doing it from a different perspective, just a subtle maybe shift that just makes it so much more rewarding or enjoyable, or maybe it's you know starting something on the side, uh, whether it's another business or a ministry, or like like I did, um, and like you did out of business into coaching, just make a complete pivot into something else. So, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's maybe. Um, you know, they're going into the new year, Michael, and they're thinking, you know, there there is something different that I need to be doing. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I feel like it's just right in front of me. How do you mm-hmm. maybe how how do you help them kind of reach out and, and and start figuring out what that is? Because I've also found, let me caveat that, um, a lot of people they wait for perfect clarity before they start taking that first step. And I think that's, for me, that's always been a huge mistake. I have found that action be, actually begets clarity. So you have to start moving towards something to see if it's, if it's what you want to move toward and be okay mm-hmm. with the fact that you maybe go down a path and you realize it's the wrong path. But you would have never known it's the wrong path unless you actually did something first. But So how do you work with people and, and help them maybe um, kind of figure out what those first small steps forward are? Well, what you're talking about is is risk management, John, is that people want to venture out. And, you know, if you're going to go out into the wilderness, you need to take a snake bite kit, you need to take a compass, you need to take, um, you know, provisions, water, and, um, you know, you probably also need to take a map or something that's going to guide you here. Um what happens then is that when people try to figure out where they want to go into the wilderness, they don't know what resources they have. They, they need to mitigate that risk. Most entrepreneurs are not risk-loving. They're actually risk-averse. And they make it as entrepreneurs because they're careful. They're trying something new, but they're very careful with what they do. So you're bringing up a great point because the, I would say that that's counterintuitive to how yeah. most people view entrepreneurs, wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, the really risk-loving entrepreneurs, and there are some of those there, they're more of the type that would, um, you know, put a lot of money into an investment, um, you know, kind of see what the ROI on it is before that happens. It's, It's more about the return on investment than it is about the adventure. But the risk-adverse ones are the ones that are really that type of client we're talking about that are wanting to blaze a new trail, wanting to you know start something new so that other people can have it better. And, and so what would be kind of that first step, Michael? Is, is your, like if you were coaching somebody and they said, hey, I'm really trying to figure out um, how to manage this risk and what that first step is, how do you kind of walk them through that? Well, you know, when the risk comes to the surface and I smell it, usually the client hasn't identified it. Uh, One of the typical questions is, what are you afraid of? And usually it comes down to is, I'm afraid of losing my home. I'm afraid of not having enough time with my family. has nothing to do with the business venture. Mm. And so we're suddenly off the performance coaching mode and into life coaching. Uh, because I agree with Patrick Williams that, you know, all coaching is life coaching. It, it evolves into that very quickly here. So when we start looking into what they're really afraid of and how they can mitigate that risk and those core values are protected, then we can start, you know, 
forming systems that are going to allow them to go into the wilderness and come back alive and still have their house and their family and their you know relationships intact without having put those at at play now you mentioned core values what role does core values play as somebody goes through a process like this well, that's just, you know, key there, John. And I know you wrote a book on the topic, so I'm kind of <laughs> telling the expert here, those core values are things that are absolutely essential. And ironically, I don't think most people really know what their core values are, John. They have ideas on things they've kind of done all the time, but when you get into the coaching relationship and expose those core values, they say, this is one thing that I'm not going to give up. I mean, time with my three sons so that I can go to their games, you know, that's just not up for option. Um, that's a core value here. Or, you know, being able to support my wife in one of her, her ventures. You know, I've got a wife that's doing dog sledding. You know, John, it's a real core value that I support her, and it takes a lot of work. I mean, if you're going to have a dog sledder in your family – you're all going to be involved, and we're all going to be out there. And you're going you to be out there early. You're going to be up late. You're, yeah. It's a big – I mean, following that – I mean, but this is a great point, though, Michael, because this value, I know, I know that that is a core value, supporting your wife, and it's very important to you. And to mm -hmm. follow that, to honor that value for you takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort. It's this, That's not, like, just an easy one to follow, but – it, it is so essential for you to to live fully that you want you're you know you're willing to do what it takes to follow honor that value right yeah and you know that is your spouse uh what other relationships are that meaningful to you we talked a minute ago about mentoring you know i've got some mentees i've got one that i've been working with for oh my goodness i think about six years um you know, it's just become such a relationship that whatever he needs, I'm there for him. Yeah. You know, if he needs to call me at one o'clock in the morning, he knows he can do that. And he does because there's that trust level. You mentioned that as well. That is the key to these type of relationships is high trust. Very hard to say this. There is a hard trust. You know, when it's really there, it's just understood. Stood. It's very easy to identify when it's not there. And so of all the competencies that we have in coaching, I think trusting is the most um, underestimated because, you know, it works when it's there and it really doesn't work when it's not there. So any relationship, leadership, coaching, mentoring is built on trust. Well, I, you know, I think trust is so foundational to healthy relationships, mm -hmm. a healthy organization. Right. And we define an organization with two or more people with a common purpose. So that could be your marriage, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. your family. It could be a Bible study. It could be your chaplaincy on the mountain. It could be a public company. Mm -hmm. um, but trust is so foundational. And I really think, too, especially with this millennial generation, these 18 to 35 year olds who are future leaders, mm -hmm. it has not been modeled to them how to really build really healthy relationships, develop trust with other people. And how do you help people do that, Michael? I know this is something you've put a lot of thought and energy into. Well, um, in my 
my sandbox, as I like to call it, is is the ethics community. Yeah. Uh, I work a lot with ICF, Ethics Community of Practice. I'm the leader of that, and you know, and I teach ethics. And what it really comes down to is respect. Mm. Um, you know, you just don't have your agenda in the forefront, and you have the other person's agenda in the forefront. Um, you don't deny your agenda because you do have your personal needs here, but it's putting the other person first. And that works for all relationships and then respecting their decisions. You know, I was teaching a, uh, a skills mastery class and one of the students came up with a, with a phrase that I had not heard before. She said, coaching is a non-judgment zone. And that, to me, just so resonates because, you know, I'm a, a type A go-getter type personality here. I like making decisions and I like making, you know, big decisions and fast decisions and, you know, putting systems in place here. And when I run into people that are not type A, which is, you know, the vast majority, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I uh, used to be quite judgmental. And just in the last, you know, five, ten years or so, particularly as a result of working in the coaching world, I've realized the less judgmental I am, in other words, no judgment works. Any judgment inhibits. So uh, let's dig into that because I, I think this is I think this is really meaningful. So how would somebody listening realize, you know, in their day to day interactions with their spouse, with their kids, with people at work? that they're actually uh, maybe in that judgment zone more often than they should be. Can you wait until the person's finished? Or, or, or do you just got to jump in here? You got an idea. You, you just can't, you got to interrupt. You, you know, you, it brings together an idea, a story in your mind. You want to contribute. You, your agenda's on the table. You can't wait to give your idea. Well, that's, taking the limelight that is shifting it onto you that's saying what i have is potentially more interesting more important and more relevant than what you're saying so the that's judgment judge the other person might feel is what you're saying isn't as important as what i need to say mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put you into a submission role <laughs> what are some other yeah. what, what are some other flags that would say okay i'm 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 in the judgment mode I have to give advice. Mm. You know, that happens at work all the time, right? Somebody comes in, or, or you're a manager, you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you look at some work that somebody did, and you immediately start either criticizing it yeah. or, or telling them how to redo it and then get back to you. And you just think as a leader, hey, I just did a good job. I managed the issue. But mm -hmm. that's, not what, that's not what came across, is it? Well, you know, giving advice is is self-ingratiating. You know, we feel good when we give advice and say, oh, thank you, John. That was wonderful advice that you gave me. Uh, it makes you feel important. It does. Especially when people go, that was great advice. Oh, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Because then, you know what? You, now you actually perpetuate a, a, bad, a bad cycle. You do. And I read this neuroscience study that said the brain actually, the decision-making parts of the brain shut down when you're hearing advice. In other words, you can't make a decision and hear advice at the same time. Ah. 
That's powerful. It is because, you know, the best case scenario is you finish giving advice and then the person regurgitates what you just said and then decides to act on that advice. But how often does that happen? And if they don't respect you, they categorically reject that advice no matter how good it was. So what if it, there's yeah, trust, yeah. you know, that trust is going to cause people to uh, take in what you said. But on the other hand, if you're approaching it from a no-judgment zone and you're not giving advice, you're just giving alternatives. Well, you know, some people do A, some people do B. I usually tend to do C and, you know, there's also D as an alternative. Which one works for you? Now, no, what would be the opposite? How, what would you label that no-judgment zone? Well, it is um, a place where people feel, you know, they can relax. Mm, safe. Peaceful. Yeah. You know, safe. Um, that's very good. We go full circle to where we started with risk mitigation that most entrepreneurs are risk adverse. So they want to feel safe. So let's go back to my wilderness example. You go into the wilderness, you take a snake bite kit, you take a map, you take, um, you know, maybe a gun to protect yourself from the wild animals here. But you could do this differently. You could take a medic. You could take a navigator. You could take a hunter. You could go out with a team. And you have now not only higher socialization. And I submit more fun because you're doing it together. Yeah. I mean, how many of us want to do things alone? I mean, you want to go into the wilderness alone? Well, sometimes, you know, I like going into the wilderness alone. But usually I like going with a buddy to share it with. And it also mitigates the risk by a thousand percent. If you are alone in the wilderness, you are at risk just because you are alone. But if you have at least one other person with you. You have doubled, tripled, quadrupled your safety factor. Well, it reminds me of a quote that I love. If, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. That, wonderful. Mm -hmm. So now let's think about that. So I'm in this, um, the non-judgment zone. I'm showing up as a leader. Mm -hmm. Some of these interactions, what would the opposite be of being a judgment? Well, what does the judgment zone look like? The non-judgment loan. Let's 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 uh, let's talk about how we equip people that are listening to mm -hmm. you know show up differently instead of giving advice, instead of interrupting. Right? What is almost the mindset they need to have and the approach that not only serves the people, um, builds trust, and you know equips the the ones that they're trying to influence around them. Well, first of all, chew tongue. In other words, bite down. Don't say anything um our friend from pcci cheryl scanlon said when i first started coaching i had a lot of gnawed tongue <laughs> yes um because we're always wanting to jump in there here and the other thing is to really trust that the other person can come up with their own solutions so okay so that's a really good point right there is actually uh, I'm working with a business owner right now. He is really struggling because he's such a perfectionist. He has his mm -hmm. way. And his people are actually, they'll, they'll come up with, you know, 
whether it's a presentation or documentation, that's probably 80 or 90% of what he would do. And mm -hmm. honestly, you know, as a professional who's been in business a long time, it is good enough, but it's mm -hmm. not his level. So he is really struggling with just trusting them and turning it over because this occupies a tremendous amount of his time kind of almost managing these processes, right? So I don't know if this might be a typical situation, but how do you almost start developing that trust in others where you can actually start doing that? Well, you realize that you're flawed mm -hmm. and that you're not perfect and that, you know, maybe you have more experience, but it's not, you know, other people's experience. Um, a story came to mind as you were saying that, John. You know, when I was 17, my father was a music minister and he was putting on a production and, um, and I was helping him. And he would say, okay, it's good enough. And I would say, but it's not perfect. And I knew my dad. He was a perfectionist. You know, he was just, he had this extremely high standard. But he was saying that for our audience, 80% is enough. Mm -hmm. And we move on. Because what's really going to encourage them is to give and for that to be accepted. Even if it's not perfect, who, who is really concerned with having everything totally perfect? Like you said, if you're with a group, you can go far. Yeah. And the synergy of a lot of 80% put together is going to be a whole lot more than just one perfect show, which is something to brag about. Braggadocia has nothing to do with leadership. I, I have to quote um, Harry S. Truman. Um, the only thing I ever remember that he said is, he's, you can accomplish anything you want to, as long as you're willing not to take the credit for it. Ooh. Okay. So that leads into something that was coming to mind as you were talking. Um, you know, as a leader, right, casting vision and really understanding um, it could be, you know, in your family, business, ministry, mm -hmm. but you know, the out you need to have, and this is where I think coaching would be so powerful is really getting clarity on what are the outcomes that you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. But if I come to you, let's say that there's something in a, an objective and an outcome that we really need to get done and we have a set time frame. Right. So one way to show up is I come to you and, and Michael, you say, John, here's exactly what I want done, how I want done, how I want it done. This is when you check in with me. Right. That is mm -hmm. not building any trust. That is really coming from that judgment mode. The other way that's really almost helping us to help others have a coaching approach mm -hmm. is to say, OK, John, if you said to me, John, here's where this is the outcome we need. This is by when we need mm -hmm. it. How would you do that? How would what would you do to get there? What do you think could hold you back from getting there? What resources would you need to do that well? And you and you engage them. So I would guess I'd love to hear because you're the brain science expert. When you're engaging somebody where they're creating the self awareness, they're creating the action plan, they're self identifying, you know what's going to lead to success or failure. What does that do in equipping somebody to actually hit that outcome in that time frame? Exactly. You know, it's, it's telling them what, like you were saying, these are the results that you need to get. Being very clear on the time frame. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, good leadership is has impeccable communication. The objective is absolutely pristinely formulated. That's very important that people know what's expected of them in a time frame. However, how they get there and what people will do is construct a method to work through that. And what I always have done in my leadership roles is ask people, what is your idea here? They come up with a system that they think will get there. What resources do you need is my next question. They come up with a list of things, people, um, software, whatever it takes to get the job done. Then they work on the timeline to get things done within the framework of what is expected in that time frame. And you're there to support them. Have you thought about this or have you thought about that? Some of these ideas are not to be advice because sometimes when you ask a closed question like this, have you thought about A? For a lot of leaders, it means you have to do it this way. It has to be a genuine yeah, cause you're absolutely you know, implying, alternative. Right, because mm-hmm. it, it would take a lot of chutzpah, especially if you're a senior manager and maybe I'm more junior. Yeah, right? You just told me how you think it needs to be done. And do I really have the confidence to be a total contrarian in that moment? Typically, the answer mm-hmm. is probably not. Exactly. Yeah. And there's that trust again that you trust when the leader says, have you thought about A, that I can, as the follower, reject it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is working in your coaching is when you put an idea on the table, if the client rejects it, that's good. Yeah. Because then they're thinking of an alternative that's going to work for them. See, I think as a leader, it's a leader's job to cast vision, to, mm-hmm. ser- to serve, teach, train, equip, empower, and launch our people. So nowhere mm-hmm. in that definition of leadership says we are making decisions or managing processes. So mm-hmm. if we are truly, like this conversation we just talked about, helping equip and empower people to have that action plan, we are developing them. As soon as we move into that mode where we are making decisions or managing a process, we are no longer in a leadership role, which means we are no longer building trust, nor are we developing our people. Would you? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's all about, you know, empowering people to believe in themselves Mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes the leader saying i believe in you too and what you do is going to be good and you will not fail because we're here to support you usually people especially adults have a very 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 strong sense of embarrassment And they, more than anything, don't want to look bad. And if you can Mm. create an atmosphere where it's like you're not going to fail because we're here to support you. And even if it's not 100%, it's still going to be good. You will look good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if people know that if something doesn't work out, that we have kind of the culture and relationship, the trust, that this is going to be something we're going to build on. It reminds me of a story I heard that has always stuck with me. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Bob Hoover. He's one of the most mm-hmm. famous air show pilots that's ever lived, World mm-hmm. War II veteran. Mm-hmm. And he had this beautiful 
airplane that he was doing his whole routine with and the and a guy uh filled it up with the wrong kind of gas and he took off and he crashed and he almost died in the the crash but this beautiful one-of-a-kind airplane was destroyed and mm. he gets back to the airport uh the next day he was good enough to fly and he went and found the young man that put the wrong gas in his airplane mm. And the guy was just absolutely in tears. He was just heartbroken that this had happened. And Bob walked up to him and said, I, I, you're the plane captain on my plane today, right? And the guy said, oh, oh my God, absolutely not. No, I'm so sorry, sir. He mm-hmm. said, Bob said, no, you are, you, you are my plane captain because you know what I know about you? You're not going to make that mistake again. Change, mm-hmm. change that man's life, right? Um, and I think there's so much we can do when people know that, you know what, we're going to be with them to help them develop and grow, tap into their innovation, their creativity, uh, try something. And if it doesn't work out, we're going to, they know they have a partner to look at that and say, okay, why didn't that work out? What do we learn from that? What did we do? Well, what can we apply next time we do this? So we get better or we get gooder, uh, to use the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> John, can I read something from one of my favorite books here? Yes. It is not easy being green and other things to consider. Post-humanist from Jim Henson. Okay. Um, and this is uh, Robin and the Muppet Gang speaking. So Robin, you know, Kermit's nephew is, is saying this thing. If just one person believes in you deep enough and strong enough, believes in you hard enough and long enough, before you know it, someone else would think, if he can do it, I can do it. Making it two, two whole people who believe in you. And maybe even you can believe in you too. Mm-hmm. So what that says to me, Michael, is let all of us who are listening be that one person who believes in that one other person this year so thoroughly, so powerfully that you help change the trajectory of that one person's life. Because if Mm. everybody listening can do that, there's tens of thousands of people that are listening. If everybody just does that for one person this year and so on and so on and so on, it's amazing how these, you know, little things like this, because these are everything Jesus modeled to us, right? If Mm -hmm. we really start bringing out into our lives uh, from a place of humility from a place of unconditional love, putting our, our, our self aside, we can lead in a way that changes, you know, I think what starts out personally goes locally and then goes globally. And, you know, when Christ talked about discipling nations, I truly think that is how we as believers disciple nations, even when we're in an environment, like a work environment, where our, the person sitting next to us is not a Christian or not a believer. But we can have such a powerful impact from them from a Christ-centered place that um, it, it starts to build the kingdom in, in them as a person and mm-hmm. gives us an opportunity to maybe have a conversation. Maybe we never have a conversation, but they saw something that really helped them from somebody who they knew uh, was strong in their faith. And all of a sudden, uh, a little door opens. Mm-hmm. Build relationships. That's what will last, and that's what you can take with you. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Now, as we wrap up, Michael, what's this final? Th- I love this conversation. I wish we had a, a couple more hours. We need to have you back on again soon. Um, but what what kind of final thoughts would you leave with people listening? Um, a majority of our audience are business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches. 
Yeah. Um, be flexible. Mm. Be flexible. Your agenda is not as important as you think it is. <laughs> that is so true. I'm going to write that one down. Mm-hmm. And I, when you truly embrace flexibility, you know, you just like, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the dog truck got stuck in a snowbank last night and we dug it out for 45 minutes, you know, because we had to let the dogs out of the snowbank. <laughs> you know, they were, they were coming out of their dog doors into the deep snows. Like they didn't have to jump down. They're like, what's going on here? I opened up the dog door. Like there's snow in front of me because we were letting them out of the snowbank. Um, but you have to be flexible. It's like 45 minutes digging out a dog truck. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen. I had other things that I was going to do in that 45 minutes last night, but you know, that's what we did. So you could have been all upset. You could have been angry. It could have ruined your evening, right? Mm -hmm. But you made a choice, didn't you? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So think about it. And that. it was cold and it was cold. <laughs> Well, how much snow do you have up there right now? Hundreds of inches? Uh, about three feet on the ground. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you guys get hundreds of inches by the end of the season, and it's just January, so. 351 average. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I hope I get to ski again next year. My doctors have not let me ski, but I'm looking forward to that and, and um, get to meet you in person this spring uh, when we come up for a baseball tournament, a steamboat with my son. Sure. And, mm -hmm. and, and Michael, how do people get in touch with you? We talked about ChristianCoaches.com. That is the Christian Coaches Network International. I really encourage people to plug into that. How, and how do people connect with, with you personally, Michael? Well, you know, my website's a great place, BlazingNewTrailsCoaching.com, one word. Okay. BlazingNewTrailsCoaching.com. Um, and, yeah, I just started something on Fridays at 4.30 uh, Eastern Time called Living the Dream, uh, Facebook live streaming that I'm doing every Friday at 4.30 for about 10 minutes where I talk about, you know, the fun aspects of you know, living the dream and what it's going to take to live somewhere intentionally and not accidentally or by force. Mm-hmm to live where you like and do what you want to do. Uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. Or and What's the Facebook you know, group for that, that that's going to be in? Uh, that's just on my Facebook uh, business site, Blazing New Trails Coaching. Blazing mm -hmm. New Trails Coaching. Okay, so just search that in Facebook and the page will come up. I think it will, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Great. All right, my friend, if there's anything at all I can do for you um, or our community can do for you, please let us know. We'd love to serve and support, and and I just really appreciate this conversation. It was wonderful. It's uh, near and dear to my heart because I love talking about how do we really equip people and how do we really use coaching to accelerate where we're, where God has called us to get to in our life. So I, I really, Excellent. And I really appreciate who you are. Um, you know, your, the work that you've put in uh, – to not only equip yourself to learn every aspect of this industry uh, and then to freely share that with every community I've ever seen you touch 
is something mm-hmm. really special. So um, I, I truly appreciate your heart and, and the model that you're setting on just how to just, you know, live in a way that, that you're that you're talking about. So thank you, Michael. Oh, thank you, John. It's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to continually interacting with you. But uh, at the uh, on the other hand, let's get together for coffee sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>